chatting with the Constantins, hosted by Destiny and John Constantin on Anchor.fm. Hey guys, how you doing today? This is John from Chatting with the Constantins. When I first started my podcast, I was curious how to get started, who to host it, and how much it actually is going to cost me to do a podcast. Well, after doing intensive research, I come across a website called anchor.fm forward slash start. After reading what anchor.fm had to offer, I couldn't believe that anchor.fm was a free podcasting host site for anyone to use. I was like, man, this is amazing. I can get my show off the ground and start right away. So what is really awesome about anchor.fm is they gave you two options to host and produce your podcast. You can use the web-based that they offer at anchor.fm. You can go ahead and upload your episodes from any type of editing software that you're using and produce your episodes that way. It'll also allow you to add uh, background music and beginning and end music, and also sponsors. Yes, you can actually make money with Anchor.fm and other sponsors that they provide you with. I'm like, that's awesome. And yes, guys, it's just that easy, and anybody can do it. And also, if you're a person on the go, if you have an Android or an Apple phone, just visit your app store, look for the new updated Anchor.fm, and download it to your phone today, and you can record and produce your episodes right from your smartphone. Yes, I said you can produce every Everything that you record with Anchor.fm on the app right from your smartphone. And I look forward to listening to all your new podcasts. And please check out Chatting with the Constantins, hosted by John and Destiny Constantin, every Wednesday and Friday. Thank you. Hi, everyone. Happy Friday. Welcome to another episode of Destiny Book Club. It's your host, Destiny Constantin. Along with John Constantin. And we are welcoming a special guest to Destiny's Book Club, Patty Harris, who's wrote some poetry and some books. So, Patty, uh, before we get started with the whole interview process, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm kind of all over the place creatively. I do artwork, I do kids' books, I do poetry, and then I write darker things like um, I've got a horror book and a dystopian apocalypse book that I wrote as Serena Moss Breaks. What? They, they, <laughs> they tell you that, you know, you're not supposed to write kids' books and horror books as the same person, so I just kind of did <laughs> something else there. And then um, we, me and my best friend, decided to do our own little indie publishing company to help new new people who don't really understand how to do the indie publishing by themselves to get themselves out there and be seen and learn the magic in their own writing nice nice that's that sounds very inspirational right there so what what, what led you to that inspiration to write that type of book um well the horror novel that I wrote, or dystopian novel rather, was a game that my boyfriend and I had played. I played D&D, and mm -hmm. um, it was, I had run this game, it was just him and I, and I loved the characters. I wanted somebody else to love the characters as much as I did. <laughs> So you, so you took that inspiration from a video game. Actually, no, it's a tabletop game. Um, tabletop game? Yeah. I'm sorry, my mistake. <laughs> D&D is actually old school. Um, it came out in the 70s, and a lot of people were afraid that it was written by the devil and all that. And, um, That's the 70s. Yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's basically 
you've got somebody who runs the game, who tells the story, and then you've got the characters who are played by other people who they go through and try and have fun in the process. Well, um, that particular game we were doing, The Zombie Apocalypse, and like I said, I loved the characters so much I didn't want the game to end. <laughs> so you made it, so you took it one step further and made it a book. Yeah. That's awesome. Kind of like me when we wrote our Journey with Dad series. It all started with a crazy road in the forest. And then the imagination goes wild. And it's, that's where I got the inspiration to write. And then my daughter took it over and made it what it is today. Well, it's always fun if you can do something with your kids. I mean, that's part of the reason why I do the art is because that's something that my daughter's into. So Nice. I, I, I didn't know it, but I made my daughter's dream come true of being a, an author. So that's <laughs> that's one of the accomplishments I could take. <laughs> So, Des, do you got any questions for your friend? Yes, I do. Um, I want to congratulate her on her new pieces in the anthropology. Um, I'm so glad that Jessica allowed us to both um, publish. Um, well, I did three pieces. I did one poem and two short stories. Um, I think I did four poems. <laughs> <laughs> I'm nice. just really excited about being in the anthropology. Um, tell us about the poems you put in there. Well... To be honest, I don't remember what they were off the top of my head because... You have so many, right? Yeah, well, and I'm constantly adding to it. I've got currently, just by myself, 30 books. Wow. And, yeah, so somebody asks me about something in a single book and I'm sitting there going, um... Wait a minute, I gotta I look that I'm up. I know I'm in that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see... That's quite an accomplishment to put 30 books out. Well, I've been doing this since 2010, so... Yeah, that, it, that explains it. Yeah. <laughs> I do know that they were well-received, and I have them somewhere. I just don't remember where I stuck them off the top of my head. <laughs> That's okay. But it was kind of cool to be a part of that project. It was something that I didn't expect, and... It gave me a chance to be with others. The whole reason I joined the Coffee House Writers is because I have a hard time marketing myself. I have a hard time telling people, I wrote this. It's, my nerves get to me. And then I go, I kind of wrote this. And that doesn't get your book sold. It, it really doesn't. <laughs> you have to have confidence. I completely, I completely understand. Dad and I started... I think we went kind of fast when we did the children book. I mean, we published without knowing a lot of information. And I know more now between my uh, career writing degree and working for Coffee House Writers. So this time when I get ready to publish my new book that's going to be coming out this spring, I'm much more prepared. But I completely understand writing, uh, marketing yourself as a writer is completely difficult. Well, I, and it's a learning <laughs> It is a learning process. I'll tell you, I've got a redo of one of my kids' books that I'm about ready to put back out. The first time I did it, the writing was fine because I do a lot of the editing and I get another editor in and, you know, the writing was fine. But I didn't know anything about picture books. And so I didn't know that it had to be a certain quality. It looked fine on my screen. And when I put it out and got the finished copy, it was blurry. And the layout was really bad. <laughs> 
So it really is a learning process and it's got a steep curve because you never know how it's going to look until you get the proof in your hand and go, okay, it looked better on the screen. <laughs> Who was the publishing company? Because when, when we first put our children's books out, we used Libris and they had a fabulous artist do our work. When I first put it out, it was Amazon only. Oh, okay. And Amazon is not the best company out there. I'll tell you that now. They're probably the worst because they don't care about quality. They'll put whatever in you put in there, they'll put it out. It doesn't matter. Right. Um, currently, I work with, for the publishing company, I work with Amazon because Amazon's the most popular. But I also work with uh, Draft2Digital, which al allows me an expanded uh, distribution network for the ebooks, especially. Nice. And then I do the paperbacks. I do one on Amazon because, again, Amazon. But I also usually go to Barnes & Nobles and do on there because they have, not only do they have the paperback, but they have the hardback. And their quality control is a lot better than Amazon. I was using Draft2Digital's print option, but they don't have hardback for one. And two, with the way the COVID pandemic hit last year, Mm -hmm. There was a whole lot of errors that were coming back in our print books. Um, I was getting people coming to me and saying the cover was not on their right because the cover had been slid. It wasn't how I had uploaded it. The print distributor had uh, slid the cover, so there was this huge uh, gap around the cover that shouldn't have been. And then we had others that the file inside was incorrect. and. You know, these were not all things that the printer could help, but at the same time, we were getting more errors than we should have been. So that's when I went to Barnes & Noble, and I've had no issue with them. We tried Lulu, but the problem with Lulu is their print costs are so high that you can't produce a book at a decent price with them. And I avoid Ingram because Ingram Spark charges up front. I don't like any place that charges up front. As an indie publisher, that feels like a scam. They, I mean, they might not be, but if you charge me up front and charge me every time I make a mistake, then you're going to make me nervous about making mistakes, and then I'll make more. I don't know uh, if that makes any sense. It does. Yeah, it does. Be because we had a bad experience with Deliverus. They, they charged us up front. They, they wouldn't even really help us with marketing. We had to do the whole marketing and everything ourselves. I'm lucky by using Twitter, I was able to get a little 15 minutes of fame with our book, doing our book tours. The farthest we went was Elmira, and we got lost, and that was a real true journey with that story right there, going to Elmira. Damn GPS. <laughs> <laughs> but I, with with my daughter learning more about writing, I think that's going to help benefit us. And oh, yeah. with this podcast we're doing, I feel it's reaching a lot of people, and it, I, I think we're doing pretty good for being rookies because I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I'll tell you, the most uh, fun ones to watch are the ones that really don't know what they're doing. Because at that point, it's interesting. The ones that know what they're doing are too polished. And, hey, there's no mistakes. The ones that don't know what they're doing and tell you they don't know what they're doing, it's a lot more fun to watch. 
because you don't know what they're going to say, right? Exactly. We we, uh, we we had our daughter, her Destiny's friend over over the weekend. She's like, you know, I listen to all your podcasts. You're so funny. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. And 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 I have a digital media background with telecommunications and all all, all that jazz and a little web-based design here and there. But I think what makes this podcast so special is I'm doing it with, with my daughter, Destiny. Oh, yeah. She, she, she brings my chaos to organization because I... I fly by the seat of my pants. I, I let the conversation flow where, where I think the questions should come in. But she's always more organized, pre-planned. And I'm just like, hey, how you doing? This is what's up today. Well, I was on um, Zombie Palooza Radio like right after I released the dystopian apocalypse book. It right. was called Rust Gore and the Junkyard Zombie. Right after I released that, I was on Zombie Palooza Radio, which is a YouTube-based radio program. And I was so nervous and the person running it was so organized that it made it worse because there was no chance to discuss, well, this is why I'm nervous or this is what I do or anything. It was all answer questions. And it, while I had no complaint because the host was gracious and wonderful, at the same time, I got off there feeling like that was not where I belonged. <laughs> That was not my people, you know? So how you feel coming out on our show, being brand new and working with Destiny for a while and meeting me for the first time? How do you actually feel? Nervous, but I'm not stuttering, so I think I'm doing okay. <laughs> I stuttered on her program. <laughs> You're doing fine. You're doing fine. No, I you are. Dad would tell you, um, every time we do a interview, even if it's just radio, I, I always get really nervous. I'm afraid I'm not going to say the right thing. Or I'm going to, like, you know, like, trail off or uh, not answer a question right. Or I, al I also get nervous because of the way I don't know how someone's going to see me being disabled. So I, I always get nervous during interviews. And Dad has to either hold my hand or give me a hug or a pep talk or something and say, you got this. <laughs> and just breathe. Well, well, you're not showing the nerves, so there's that. <laughs> Well, this is like my uh, second extra large cup of coffee, and I'm feeling pretty alive and awake. <laughs> Did you do the daily with Syl Stein, Sylvia mm -hmm. Stein, who's part of part of Coffee House? Sylvia's right? Sylvia's podcast. No, I haven't done that one yet. You were the first one to ask me. I tend to be so quiet on Coffee House that it took me by surprise, and I was so tickled. <laughs> I, I I have to tell you, Sylvia has been a great mentor to our show with with, with her knowledge of Anchor. Because, like I said, I'm green around the ears when it when it comes to this stuff, and Anchor was just so easy. And then watching YouTube videos, it allowed me to do like Zoom calls, and then just strip the audio out of it, and then put it up on Anchor when when we're ready to publish. Well, and that's awesome. She she was a great help, and I went on. Desi took ill, so I had to take the interview, so we wouldn't lose it. That girl's a riot. <laughs> if you get a chance, just go listen to her show. I, I I like her show. I like how she does everything. Me, I I like doing things a little different. I'm definitely going to look into that. I'm not normally one who's real real comfortable doing like video or anything where I'm talking because. Like I said, I tend to stutter when I get nervous, and I've been trying to get over that. I've been doing poetry readings for my blog because, again, I need content for it, and that's something that most people will pay attention to is a little bit of video, you know? Mm -hmm. And so when I end up doing those, I'll record them three or four times because I'll stutter through one of the stanzas or 
Uh, and I don't want people seeing that. I don't want to have that nerves out on the internet and people going, yeah, this is why she's not doing so well as far as sales. <laughs> you know? Everything takes time. And as I say, practice and preparation. But I, 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 I see, as you can tell, I'm a big wrestling fan. And mostly when I do the show, this is what I talk about or football or hockey. And then this is her passion. And that's how our podcast became together hence chatting with the constants because we virtually talk about anything and, and we don't talk about politics or religion that's an argument starter yeah that that's one of the few things that i think everybody agrees on you can talk about anything but leave out politics and religion <laughs> peace and harmony that's 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 the that's the way it should be well it's hard to know who's right on any of it i mean my belief system might be different than yours and how do we know which one of us is right honestly you don't so, and politics are just especially right now that's a dangerous subject anyway exactly <laughs> funny we have biden in there and they still don't want to give us another stimulus check to help the economy it's I, i'm just gonna be quiet on that one <laughs> hey free money you know exactly <laughs> yeah that's what we need during this pandemic you know to, to get us through and people back to work and almost life back to normal uh, i have my doubts that life's ever going to go back to normal i think there's too many people who have been hurt by the pandemic there's too much damage done if that makes any sense yeah. so i i think that like any trauma we're going to be changed by the experience and hence the healing process moving mm -hmm. forward it's kind of like uh when I watch the SEAL team, you know, and they, and they work the problem and they solve it and then the healing part comes. For some reason, I love watching that show with the camera action and the way the storyline goes because it's a military base. And I wish I was in the military to experience the world, but I, I couldn't pass the test, though. Neither could I. I've got flat feet. I, <laughs> Not I to a, mention I'm big, but... <laughs> well, I'm a big guy, too. <laughs> but but I, I also have a learning disability, so that, that made it difficult for me to pass the entrance exam. So I experienced with other stuff. Well... Um, the problem is you can't go based on just tests and such as that. I mean, like me, I, I had kids in high school, so I never made it to college. And I'm in a group full of people that college degrees are not only prevalent, but seen as necessary. And I'm struggling because I don't have those degrees, but I've never been able to afford college. So I'm doing what I can do to make my way in this world without them. You don't necessarily have to do what everybody thinks, well, this is how you get this experience. No, sometimes you hit the street running and you take it from there, if that makes any sense. <laughs> I've always found the best education is learning on the job. I All through high school. I'm sorry. All through grammar school, through high school, I was in special classes because with a learner's ability, I needed extra help. And I was just barely making it. I just graduated high school with a general diploma and I didn't know what I wanted to do. But then I got married right out of high school. A couple years later, I had Desi. But looking at her, I was like, I have to do something better. So I went to school and got a certificate in computer repairs. That all started leading into my associate's degree after I left my job for 12 years at Time Warner Cable because of all the stress. So I had to do something else. And then I became a stay-at-home dad and still taking care of Desi and dealing with 
her health issues, my health issues. We actually, I think we actually got a lot closer. That and, makes sense. And doing everything that we're doing now, which without her help, I wouldn't be successful in school with her tutelage and writing and being on the dean's list and her explaining things to me in a different way and me trying to understand stuff. It's, I think this podcast is a great marriage for us and I'm hoping, hoping to be very successful with her help and I'm just so grateful and proud of her for all the help she's given me and I think it's going to be a good success. Well, I'm definitely hoping that it is because, well, it seems kind of awesome so far. <laughs> <laughs> see, see, see here you get like, <laughs> personal stories and probably probably some inspiration to write something it's just, it's just hanging out <laughs> well i think that's a good bit of what makes the best writing is if you pull it from life and i'm not talking that old adage of write what you know i'm talking if you look at writing like say dialogue for an example mm-hmm if you look at writing dialogue and it's stiff and uncomfortable, you know, when you're reading it, say these two people are talking and they're being very precise and not comfortable at all with each other in the writing, it's not going to be comfortable to read. No. Which means that it's going to come across that you were not comfortable with what you were writing. You need to be able to when you write, write it like you're seeing it in real life. And I think that makes a difference. And it's something that a lot of people don't seem to realize. They they try to over-explain things. Sometimes simple is best. I agree with you 100% there. I, I agree. I agree, too. I think the reason I turned to writing in the first place is for me to have a platform to express how I was feeling. And my journey of becoming wheelchair bound. I think that's why I turned to writing. I needed a way to express myself and to figure out things. And I am taking now, um, I'm a big fan of Cassandra Clare. I love young adult fantasy books. Uh, and um, I was looking, um, I saw your post on LinkedIn about the anthropology. And then I went to visit your website and I heard about your publishing company in the Coffeehouse Writers Chat, and then I realized that you like fancy too, but being at Face Corporation. So I was having fun looking at your work and your website. <laughs> we, we do about two to three anthologies a year. So far we've done, the first one was, we got a group of authors together, me and my friend, and we're like, okay, why should only those who have this friend or that friend be able to get into these anthologies? That doesn't make sense to us. Why don't we just open it up to these people that haven't been able to get into these anthologies and let them do their stories and see what happens? So we set up a theme for dark fairies. We wanted all dark fairy stories, and we called it Under the Mists, and it turned out really good. Then... We said, well, we've done dark fairies, let's do light. So the next anthology was Through the Sunshine, which was all light fairies. And in between, I threw in, hey, let's add a poetry-only anthology, because poetry. Well, that ended up being poetry, and I think there's like one or two stories that somebody was like, here, and it, they were good. <laughs> so that one we called Fairy Footprints, because we were trying to showcase you know, the, the touch of the fae in all of us. And then after that, we've done Through the Sunshine, and we got a little ambitious 
right around Halloween last year. And I said, okay, we've got Fade Dreams, which is another poetry only, or so it was supposed to be. It ended up being poetry, flash stories, art, that sort of thing. I said, since we got that going on, and we got one that we're going to call Nightmare Whispers, that's all stories. Because the story-based ones, we pay out the author. They get, you know, we keep a limit as to how many offers can go in, and they get 10% of all the royalties. That's not bad. So we said, okay, we've got so many really, really good stories for Nightmare Whispers that I don't want to do just one. We ended up with four total anthologies, including Faye Dreams. Wow, that's incredible. <laughs> it that's awesome. was a lot of work. <laughs> So we did, it was Fae Dreams, The Darkness Within, I'm not sorry, Fae Dreams, Nightmare Whispers, The Darkness Within, Nightmare Whispers, Madness Echoes, and then the last one, I was being sarcastic and I said, well, it's What Remains. So it was Nightmare <laughs> Whispers, What Remains. <laughs> That's an awesome title right there. And because I did the cover design, we were having people that they were sending in the art and stories and such just because they liked the covers. And so this year we're doing the fa the fairy playgrounds, which is the stories about fairy children. We're doing Fae Shivers, which is basically thriller, mystery kind of thing. Oh, nice. That one's going to come out around Halloween. Cool. I don't know if we're going to get into the Glen in this year or next year. It's fairy places, but that's one we're planning. So that's like kind of like breaking news with you working on a new project coming up this year or next year. Yeah. That's awesome. And then this year we also ended up with several, because we had done so well with them with the anthology, several of the authors in various anthologies said, hey, can you produce our books? So we started out with a anthology of one person's Raven stories. That came out just like the 30th of January. Oh, nice. And then the next one is a collection of poetry by one of the authors that we've had working with us before. That one's coming out the 31st of March. Oh, sweet. And then we've got an erotica story that a young lady who has worked with us before, wrote up and was trying to find a good publishing house for and decided to go with us. That should come out in June sometime. Oh, cool. And then we've got a horror collection coming out on Halloween as well. That is just one author. His name's Raz Slasher. That's, or at least that's his pen name. <laughs> yeah, it's a great pen name. That's and awesome. he, he writes wonderful, wonderful horror stories. He was in Nightmare Whispers, and he liked what we did and was like, hey, I need a publisher. Can you guys do it? So we ended up with a full slate of people coming, and I've got another author who's doing poetry, who, a chat book. She's like, can you guys publish it for me? I'm not sure when hers is coming out. I'm thinking August. Nice. And we've got another one. He was in Fairy Footprints and liked what we did with that, so he sent in his manuscript to see if we could publish it. And it's just been one after another. They are all impressed with the work we did and want to see their books handled that well. We had one of the authors tell me that she didn't envy us because we were wrangling cats. Dealing with a whole bunch of authors to do an anthology is like wrangling cats, she said. 
That's crazy. <laughs> so so basically, you started an anthropology, several of them, progressing to a publishing company, which became a big opportunity for you during a pandemic. Yeah. That, that's amazing. Hey, Des, we got to keep her in the back pocket for when we, we do our children's <laughs> books. <laughs> <laughs> no, I. you should see our website. I love it. Um, I even asked Patty if I could be part of one of her anthropology. When she made the announcement, I saw it too late anyways. Well, you got another one planned, right? Yeah. Yes. I told Patty, let me know about the next one so I could join in with her. <laughs> well, we do have a Slack uh, set up, and we always announce in the Slack a couple of months before we do any of them. And I've got a call for submissions channel in there that that's all we do is we when I find various calls from, you know, this place or that place, I stick it in there for people to find. Um, if you want, I can send you a link to it. Oh, I would love to. Oh, that'd be awesome. <laughs> and we um we were going to do Discord, but we ended up deciding that Slack was a little more professional. Yeah, and I think we're used to it anyways. Yeah, there, there's not too awful much difference between Slack and Discord, but a lot of people see Slack as being more professional than Discord. I'm not familiar with Discord, so I'm not sure. Well, when I started the podcast, I was doing a lot of YouTube research, and I was hearing, like, Discord or Zoom, and I, I think with Desi being familiar with Zoom from the technology side, that was easy for us. Yeah. But I'm also looking into, like, StreamYard or Riverside.fm to do um, more of this. We've done StreamYard for our book launches. We had less issues out of StreamYard than we did out of Zoom. But, like, our marketing lady likes to play video in video. Right. And it, it doesn't particularly like doing that. It doesn't want to play the sound. <laughs> But otherwise, we've had no issues on StreamYard. Yeah, it's it's just when we started, it was like a lot of research going into this. Because if you have if you been to our website podpage.com forward slash chat with the Constantins, I won a radio contest uh, to interview Charlotte Flair, who who was a uh, sports entertainer for the WWE, and that's how this whole thing started. And it went on the back burner until the end of September of 2020, and here we are. That sounds like an amazing start, though. Yeah, it was. I, I I still remember, like, yesterday, and she was so nice. You know, she even comped us two tickets so we can get my daughter in the handicap section. Nice. It was it was just so amazing. And to watch her perform, and it was, I was like, yes, go, go get her, go get her. <laughs> I grew up watching wrestling, but I haven't in the last few years. I haven't honestly had time to watch much of anything. I get people getting mad at me. You need to catch up on this show. And when do I have time for that? <laughs> I got the same feeling. I I record. I got um. Dad calls me the DVR queen. I have to record on the show, and then some of my shows are not even on TV anymore. So I'm trying to watch one of my favorite shows on Hulu because they just put the seasons on there. So I got the Netflix and the Hulu, and then I have to record every show. Um, because uh. I, I usually been watch TV on the weekends because <laughs> I don't cut time during the week either. Well, between doing the um, coffee house, which I'm on a biweekly schedule, but that still I still have to have my poem for that, mm -hmm. and doing the publishing and doing my own writing, which I'm still working on a couple of books I'm trying to get put together to get out. Um, and I've got a 17 year old, so. <laughs> And I remember those days. <laughs> well, she's the only one I still have home, and she helps. Uh, 
but she got it in her head that housework is not something she wants to do with her life. <laughs> I remember so, those days doing chores and if I didn't do Well, I don't I never had cheese Asperger's, which I don't know if you know what that means. Yes, um, the spectrum of autism. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's harder for her to realize, you know, that things are not necessary. She Earlier I was making burgers and she was like, Mom, you need to clean the pan. The pan's clean, honey. No, you need to clean the pan. <laughs> and I told her that it was clean, but I would take a napkin and wipe it out just to be sure. Right. And she goes, why are you mad at me? Honey, I'm not mad at you. So I really don't have to do a whole lot of punishing. I just have to say, look, this needs done. But I have to go behind and make sure that it gets done because sometimes she forgets to do parts of it. or And it's not her fault. No. Now, so, now is she in high school? We homeschool, which is another reason why I don't have a whole lot of time. We spend a good deal of her childhood in Oklahoma. I live in West Virginia now. But when we were in Oklahoma, they had set it up for her where she could, the little uh, spongy ear plugs. Right. She could wear those while she did her work in class. You know, not while the teacher was speaking, but while they were sit down, do the work portion. And she was bringing home A's, B's, and the rare occasional C. We moved to West Virginia and they no longer will allow her the headset or earplugs and because different states are different right and she's bringing home d's and e's i mean she's failing suddenly this is the child that got upset the few times she brought home a c so her bringing home failing grades meant there was a problem she wasn't getting getting the help that she needed in school exactly so i told her okay well what do you want to do about this problem she says, Mom, I just want to homeschool. And so we tried, we homeschooled and we tried adding a digital curriculum, which we did time for learning because it was the easiest. And we did other things using YouTube as uh, ways to learn about science. I found several YouTube creators that are good for that. A way to learn about history. Again, there's quite a few that create history vids. Um, but that does take up time. You know, to sit there and do the schoolwork with her. Between homeschooling and publishing, and I've been doing art, which my drawings are still, I'm learning. <laughs> but my partner has decided that she's going to take some of those drawings and create a children's book entirely out of those and her own. She's calling it Lily Doodles. And oh, that's cute. Because it's adorable. She she said that it's going to be Lily Doodles and the Eternal Sparkles. The Eternal Sparkles are the muses that keep the children from giving up and losing their talents because of the blaz, the nightmares, and the closet monsters. <laughs> oh, that's really cute. That is. It's adorable. I, I, I can't wait for it to come out. Do, do, do you have an idea when that's coming out? Um, well, she's been working on the website. I don't know when it's going to be in book form yet. I think she's still working on getting all of the characters designed. Um, I, me and her did a video chat on Messenger yesterday mm -hmm. and did a lot of drawing 
then where I was helping her get the little monsters for the nightmares in the blast. So Oh nice. It 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 was a lot of fun and it was a lot of relief of tension because you can't be upset or tense when you're drawing little doodles. That just <laughs> Possible. <laughs> so, so you're kind of like me. You draw your inspiration from from your daughter that keeps you going and being creative. Oh yeah, oh yeah. She's my everything. So, so, is, so is my daughter. I'm, I'm just so proud of her. The compliments she's been doing, and it, 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 it's, it's hard for me to see her in that chair when she's used to walking. But I've grown accustomed to that because I've seen the advances that she has gone through working on two master's degrees and a bachelor's and she's just amazing so so, so yeah i i drink a lot of coffee water i stay up in the chair at night just to make sure she finished what she needs to finish or plan for the next day it's like and my wife too she, she she's a great help but your your daughter will be fine she she's gonna make it because you gotta have faith right and and if she has that talent of drawing I would say continue to encourage that. Yeah, she, she, from what it sounds like, she's going to have a nice, bright future. Oh, yeah. She's hoping to be a YouTube creator, but I don't know if we're going to figure that one out anytime on a regular soonness because she, she's wanting to play video games on YouTube and <laughs> it takes work to edit videos like that. <laughs> yes. But yes, if she has that talent, just let her run with it. And 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 your dreams will come later because mine. I, I'm I took a break because of all the stress that's been going on with my mom and everything. I'm actually working on a bachelor's degree, going through Southern New Hampshire in college. So, uh, with my learning learning, I never thought I'd amount to anything. But here I am. I'm I'm living my dream. I'll eventually go to college, but in the meantime, you're just I'm too busy. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I um I just started my second master's degree. I I wasn't gonna go for a second master's degree, but becoming a teacher has been my dream since I was a little girl. And I um just recently started working with students online. Um I'm a um English and writing tutor for Tutor Me and we've been I've been mostly working with college students but because of the pandemic, um, we opened our services to elementary students as well. So I've been getting to work with both age, both age groups, I say a variety of age groups. And then when my uh, short stories came out with the Coffee House of Anthropology, I got introduced to another friend, another friend who um, offered me to uh, co-write a book with her. So when it, um, when I saw your post for the Anthropology, I was like, oh, I could have done the story of Patty, but I'm working on another story already. And then Caitlin's helping me finish my young adult fantasy novel, which I was going to um, tell you earlier is I, I'm a, I, during my master's degree program, I studied literature and I learned about Toni Morrison and she used her experiences growing up with the, with being a different race and the things she surrounded herself to write, um, The Bluest Eyes. And, Quite a good book. Yes, and the, I kind of connected with her background because I'm Northern Girl is going to be a story that reflects my journey through my health, but it also has my favorite twist of fantasy. Um, I'm adding, I'm adding um, magic in there. 
Cool. <laughs> I was like, I want to tell my story to inspire others, but I I don't want it to be so emotional. Right. Or seem as like a memoir. I think writing a memoir seems more scarier to me. But if I mix it with magical elements with my story, it kind of like putting my two things about writing together. <laughs> Because I love how literature can influence others, inspire others. I love hearing about other people's stories and telling my own because I know it can help someone. Even though it was the scariest thing when I first started. <laughs> yeah, memoirs are hard. I did one. I I really haven't pushed it because it was one of those things I wasn't sure if I should have done it. And when you write something... I mean, it was nonfiction, and I don't do well with nonfiction. <laughs> so, no, you tried, I, right? I completely understand. I think, well, uh, my poem in the first volume of the anthology, uh, My Body um, is Like a Roller Coaster, is my actual first nonfiction piece. And I, I wasn't expecting everyone to love it so much because it's really personal to me. And I'm still learning how to write poetry. Calprina has been helping me learn. I, do you feel it's harder to write poetry than fiction stories? I mean, I sometimes I feel that way because I'm not so familiar with poetry. I think for me that it's the other way around. <laughs> because uh, I, I've been writing poetry all my life. It was how I dealt with emotions that came of being a survivor. It was how I dealt, because that's the thing. I am a survivor. I There's a lot in my life that I don't talk about because it's not something that's a comfortable subject. And the poetry helped me to overcome a lot of that. I joke that I wrote my first novel when I was nine, but the problem is I did. I wrote it. And I threw it away because I couldn't figure out how to fix the fact that one of the chapters wasn't long enough. So I don't know that I'll ever recover that. There's no way to recover it. The story's gone. It's in the trash. Has been for nearly 40 years, you know? But I've been writing poetry just as long. My dad's got poems I wrote when I was seven or eight. Because that was how I deal with a lot of what was going on in my life. My brother got all the talent when it came to drawing. I got all the talent when it came to words. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I, I wrote one poem. No, I'm sorry. I wrote two poems in my life. One, one is uh, Live for the Moment. That, that inspired me when my grandmother, my two, my father, father and stepfather passed away and my brother passed away. And I still have it. I That poem is in our second children's book, The Dream with Dad, to dedicate it to them. And it just flowed, and it's, it was just weird because I, I didn't. I'm more of a tech guy, building stuff and writing technical manuals, and now I'm doing podcasts, talking about technical stuff and doing interviews that I never thought I'd be able to do. And it's like, wow, I've overcome. Well, I still, have, I still have my learning disability, but I'm learning how to deal with it. And dealing with anxiety, depression with this podcast is saving me a lot of money on therapy. That <laughs> so so I could share a lot of worldly experience and hopefully I inspire somebody. But I'm 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 just loving what I'm doing right now. Well, 
fairy footprints. I've got three children. My eldest is in his 30s and my youngest is 17. And of course, I've got one boy in between. The uh, anthology fairy footprints, my eldest has only ever written one poem. So he sent it to me for that. And then my middle one, I, I keep asking if poetry is hereditary because I had to put him up for adoption because I was homeless when he was born. Oh, no. And I wanted him to be safe. And he turned out to have a very poetic nature. He writes beautifully. <laughs> and when I told him that I wanted to include him in the anthology because I wanted to make it something really special, mm -hmm. he says, here, and sends me an email with a document in it of all the poems he's ever written. <laughs> he says, publish them as you will. <laughs> so that... I couldn't get my daughter to draw me anything for the anthology. She's like, Mom, it's a topic I don't know. I'm like, it's just <laughs> fantasy, dear. I don't care. I'm not doing it. <laughs> so, but both of my boys and me are in that anthology with poetry. And I, I just felt like that was something extra special because it was something I got to do with them. That's awesome. And, and, and you're still in contact with them today after what happened yeah, in the yeah. past? Well... When he hit 18, you know how it is when you're 18? Yes. You fight with your parents just because they're your parents. Yes. And he and I had been talking since he was 14 because when he found out about me, his parents let him talk to me. They discouraged any idea of me getting to see him, which I'm fine with because, you know, I understand. Mm -hmm. But they would let him call me or whatever to talk to me. So when he got 18, him and his parents had a really bad fight. You know, one of those that they just needed to separate from each other because he was 18. That It's normal. And I gave him a place to stay while they worked it out. And he came and he stayed with me for about a week. And then when coronavirus hit, he lost his job due to circumstances beyond his control. Right. His parents are elderly now and were worried that he would be exposed, so they asked him not to come home, which kind of upset me, but, you know, you can't help some things. No. And I, I, I told him, well, you come here. I'll give you a place to stay until things get settled. And he came and stayed with me about another week. Um, he was here about a month the first time. And he calls me about once a month to let me know what's going on. He just got accepted into the college of his choice. He's going to be a park ranger. Oh, nice. So I'm quite proud that's of him. That's wonderful. That's an awesome story. That Man, that's that's, that's really touching. It's kind of like watching a Hallmark movie where, where, where you do something in the past that comes back to you twofold and getting to know that person that you thought you lost. Wow, that's that's awesome. You, you're doing really well for... For, for the for what you're doing so 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 how does that publishing process take effect because that's that's kind of interesting to have your own publishing house well when we get the stories first thing we do is either me or my partner one of us go through and edit the stories mm -hmm. if it's a full manuscript it's the same routine than if it's a anthology because you're still dealing with needing to put together a book. Right. And you need it to be the best the book can be. So we go through and we make sure there are no spelling errors, no grammar errors, no, um, this really could be written better. <laughs> <laughs> Destiny's laughing because she knows what I'm talking about. Yes, I do. 
And then once we go through and get the edits done, we send it back to the author and say, look, this is what we suggest as far as edits. Because you can't take an author's work and go, you need to change it this way. You can suggest edits, but that's all you can do. Right. And then we usually give them a couple of weeks to a month, depending on how tight our plan for this is. And then once they send back any edits that they've made, or they approve the edits you made, or both, you go through, you make sure again that it's legible and there's no major issues. And then in the meantime, I've done book cover art for whatever. And I get these back and I put them... I make sure that the page size is right because most of our books are six by nine so i have to make sure that the page sizing is right i make sure that the words are not into the bleed area on the books because you know there's a certain amount of space that needs to be available on either side of the words in the book to make it easy to read to make it easy to read i make sure that any pictures are set right and then I go to whatever distribution network. Draft to digital is usually the easiest for the ebooks anyway. And I upload it and tell them it's a pre order usually because we always give a leeway of time. And while I've got that uploaded, I send it back to the authors. If it's an anthology, I send it to a channel in Slack because we put a channel in there for each of the anthologies. Oh, nice. But I upload it and I tell them look over your piece. And make sure you don't see any errors. Because I may be an editor, but I'm human. And there's always going to be something I miss. The more eyes that are on the piece, the more likely it is that we are going to catch any typos. The more likely it is we are going to catch any oopsies. (laughs) And so I tell always, I tell the authors of any anthology, or if it's a single author in a manuscript, I tell them, look over your piece. Look over the whole piece in general, and then let me know if you see any problems. And then we get, we tell the authors, okay, give us three names. Those three, I need email address and name, and they will get an ARC, Advanced Reader Copy. That copy, they can read, and we always do this so that they have a couple of weeks to read it before the book goes live. They get that copy in exchange for an honest review. We don't want somebody kissing our ass. Excuse the phrase, but... It's okay. It's okay. We want, if we're going to do, you know, if we're going to hand you a copy of our book, we want you to tell us the truth. If there's a problem, we want to know so we can fix it. And not everybody is meant to read every book. So if you just don't like the book, that's fine. We need to know that, too, because that'll give us an idea of what we are doing, not only right, but wrong as well. And so we tell them that, and we send them the copy of the book. And I usually offer PDF, Mobi, which is the Kindle version, or EPUB, which is uh, Barnes & Noble. Right. Now, is is there special software you have to use for publishing? To be honest, no. You do if you want complete control, okay? Because if you want complete control of how it looks at the end, you need to do an EPUB. Because that's what all of the different distributors want, is an EPUB. But if you're okay with, like, minor changes in the way the words look, or maybe a fancy scroll along the top, Mm -hmm. you can do 
docs. You can do PDF. I mean, you really don't have to worry as much about what software you have. I use LibreOffice. I use a PDF Studio. And I think I've got Sigil for making EPUBs because there are times when I would like to have that much of a control over it. But other than that, I seriously, I use LibreOffice, which is great. That's the best kind of software to use. Exactly. I tend to prefer free whenever I can get it. I have yet to find a free PDF software that I like, however. <laughs> but Sigil is free. LibreOffice is free. And both work wonderful. Nice. It's just a PDF I end up having to pay for. <laughs> I guess two out of three ain't bad, right? No. I do know that Reezy helps with formatting. I am a book reviewer for Reezy Discovery, as well as three other organizations. <laughs> I haven't um, tried Reezy yet. I set up an account with them, but I haven't actually worked with them at all yet. Um, I'm always looking for new ways to do things and get things set up. Like last year, I learned how to do a large print book because our marketing girl, KT, KT Seto, she, um, she's got vision impairments mm -hmm. and her mother is nearly blind. So they need the large print so they can read it. So she asked me with Through the Sunshine to, please, can we do a large print? And I'm like, yeah, sure. Because I thought it was easy. It is easy, but you got to actually know what you're doing. So everything we've done after that, as far as anthologies, we've always made sure has a large print edition so that her mom can read it and she can read it and not have any issues. That's awesome. I know. I want to, uh, for Amory and Girl, I want to try to do a, I have a, on my cover, uh, there's like a blue magic sphere that the girl holds in her hand. My cover designer's have exported that blue sphere just by itself as its own picture. So I want to figure out how to put that behind the chapter headings. Oh, that's easy enough to do. Um, <laughs> you're looking at the page. It's a picture. So you import the picture in and you place it where you want. And then you, there's, um, I'm not sure if it's in Word or not, but in LibreOffice, there's an align setting that you can click on to get it to align where you want it on the page. First off, anchor the stupid thing to the page. <laughs> Trust me, that does make a difference. Secondly, turn your wrap off because that way it's not going to be affected by the wording, okay? okay. Then when you click on align, it'll give you like six different choices. Align it backwards. There's a way to align it backwards and that way the words will pop and it'll be just under your words, you know, in the back, so. Oh, that's a great tip. I never use LibreOffice. I'm going to have to download it. <laughs> it really is intuitive to work with. I found Microsoft's Office Suite to be very confusing because there's a lot of things that they hide in, you know, various commands that you're sitting there going, okay, where's this? You know? I do I do all my typing in Word. I got my man. I got like three more chapters to go. I want to add three more chapters of the book before I send it uh, to my editor. But I use Word to type up my manuscripts, but I I have a hard time, you know, adjusting the page to, you know, the book size. And I want to learn how to do those. I love cursive writing. I love handwriting, so yeah. I want to do the chapter headings in the cursive with the picture. So I'm trying to learn how to do that, but 
word makes it hard when you gotta turn the page that six by nine book length. Well, um, in LibreOffice, it's simple. You go to page styles, which is on the right click on the page, page styles, and then tell it you want it to be six by nine. It's that simple. The cursive writing, I'll see if I can send you a link. There's a couple of places that are good for free fonts, and there's a couple of good cursive writing fonts out there. I'm enjoying right now being able to use LibreOffice and such because I have my laptop now, but for a while I was over the road with my boyfriend and my daughter. We were in big truck together, and this is what I wrote most of my books on. On the phone? <laughs> Evernote, Evernote is my friend because I can write on this and it will be on the computer. It will be on the phone. I can, I, I just, I'm signed in and it's on my devices, including the web if I need it to be. So a smartphone wrote, is a handy tool to have. Oh yeah. I've written most of my books on a smartphone. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Now for, for me, I gotta use the computer, but I have a hard time with uh, typing on the on the tablet or phone. I gotta use the computer. But sometimes I I have a USB keyboard that a Bluetooth keyboard. I'm sorry, Bluetooth keyboard that I can type up to the tablet. Connect well, to the I've, tablet computer. <laughs> yeah, I have a um, Bluetooth keyboard as well, but I don't tend to use it very often. But I use a specific type of keyboard on the phone. Oh. This is Go Keyboard. It's got the ability to copy. It's got the ability, you know, this is the basic keyboard. And then when I go in under edit, it gives me this option. Oh, that's really neat. Yeah, it's very... It looks like the computer keyboard. Yeah, that that's why I, I mean, it takes up a little bit of space on my phone, but that's why I always have that as my keyboard on the phone. It gives you a warning when you install it. Go keyboard might send your information. It doesn't. I've been using it for years. <laughs> but Android likes giving that uh, notice. Warning. Yeah. I don't know if you use Android or iPhone. I've always used Android. So No, I have an iPhone. No, we're, we're, we're iPhone people over here. I love my iPhone. I've never been able to afford an iPhone, to be honest. Androids were cheaper. Um, yeah. The reason I like iPhones is um, it helps me with my medical devices. I have my hearing aids connected to it. I have my diabetes um, uh, glucose uh, monitoring system connected to it. And I'm not able to do that with an Android phone. But I've been a fan of Apple since I was a little kid. Um, the first computer I had was Apple. <laughs> the first one I had was an Atari 6500XE. And it didn't have a disk drive, it was just the keyboard. So every time I wanted to play any game on the computer, I had to type it all in. <laughs> I was 10 years old at the time. That's going all the <laughs> way back to late 70s. I, it was early eight, or mid-80s, because I was 10 years old, so I was born in 75. I was born in 72, so I'm right there with you. <laughs> Those were the good old days when you had nothing to worry about. Now you're an adult, you got to worry about everything. Absolutely. <laughs> and it's like now I'm becoming the adult. My mom's becoming a child. I'm like, let's, let's, let's switch this back. I don't want to be the adult. <laughs> yeah, my, my dad moved in with my brother because he needed somebody to help take care of him. And 
it, it's like that. It, it's like, okay, you know, I can't imagine my parents needing somebody to take care of them. They're my parents. They're not children. <laughs> but Yeah, I'm dealing with my mom, like, start of dementia, where she's seeing something that's really not there. And I'm like, Mom, there's nothing there. Mom, you're safe. Mom, I have a camera on the house. Nobody's getting in your house. And she's so paranoid that somebody's breaking in, stealing stuff. I have to go out there and say, Mom, look, you probably moved this. Mom, I found this. Nobody's stealing from you. I'm like, I, I, that's the part where I'm having trouble with. And I'm getting frustrated. And I don't know how to handle it because of my other problems I have going on. To right. add, add my mom's stress onto what, what's going on. I'm like, Lord, please give me the strength to get through today. <laughs> Yeah, um, what's the old saying? Yeah, pray for either strength or bail money. Because if you got both, then you're in problems. (laughs) (laughs) That's the first time I heard that, to be honest with you. (laughs) Yeah, that is the first time we've heard that. I have weird friends who I I get all sorts of, you know, weird sayings from them. (laughs) Yeah, but that's how you learn from them, though. Man, it sounds like you got a busy plate just like I do. Except except I don't I don't do publishing. I, I'm I'm a just a tech guy, podcast producer, podcast host, dad. That's a that's a twenty four job in itself. Yes it is. With with, uh, with no days off and no sick days. <laughs> One of the things I wanted to ask you, Patty, was um I'm thinking about expanding my blog into a business. Um now that I'm starting to get uh requests for personal book reviews i want to do um think about doing author services i'm still i would like to add editing eventually but it's still something i'm learning but i want to do book review service and um, offer them like a feature book part on my website and social media blurbs i've been learning from caitlin um, but the one thing i'm having trouble with is i don't i don't know the process of getting I have a DBA for a business I did a while ago, so I'm, I know I have to get a new DBA, but I'm thinking about doing the LLC, the Limited Liability Company, and I've been doing research, but I was just wondering um, what you went through to get Fates Court Publishing to be a LLC. Well, it's mostly you fill out forms and you pay the fee, honestly. So it's not real, real complicated. It actually sounds like it's harder than what it is, but I I think that was something that we did in North Carolina where my partner's located, and it was like, I think it was like 150, 200. I'm not sure if she paid the fee, so. Yeah, I just, I, um, I was thinking about asking help for legal Zoom, but then one of the comments said they charge double than what the state filing fees is, and I was trying to we live in New York State, so I'm trying to find the proper website to go to to get the forms and see what kind of information they need. Your county office would probably know. Yeah, that's the next step. <laughs> yeah, it'd be the same place that you got the DBA from. So. Yeah, I'm just trying to figure out if I should get another DBA or if, if I should do the LLC. <laughs> well, the DBA doesn't offer the legal uh, protection that LLC does. Yeah, that's what uh, Tracy told me because I, I, I think I wanna. I, I think I also love to bake besides writing, and I did a online bakery. Oh my god! 
an online bakery for two years and unfortunately it didn't go as well as I planned it. So <laughs> I'm I guess I I know I can span the website and do the book reviews because I'm doing it now. I, I just guess I'm a little hesitant of doing another business because I'm afraid of failing again. <laughs> you can't I fail understand. without succeeding. <laughs> well, you always got to try, if nothing else. Because if you don't try, you don't succeed. If you do try, you at least have a chance of it. Yeah, I do want to try. Um, Coffee House Writers has helped me grow. Um become a better writer and learn how to do the marketing, how to do the, create your own writing platform. And Caitlin has taught me how to edit and do book reviews and the social media. So I am growing and it is something I would like to do. Um, I just get, Dad would tell you, I get nervous about everything and I don't know why. <laughs> there, there's no reason to get nervous. Um, and, and the funny thing is she has more followers on, on Twitter and Instagram than I do. Well, my daughter's working on gaining father followers up it it's it's one of those things that you just got to keep doing and it takes time <laughs> it does it does i gotta give you guys that it does take time i'm, I'm starting to learn patience patience ain't one of my strong suits yet <laughs> it used to be mine I've, as i've gotten older i've gotten crankier <laughs> Uh, same I wanted, here. Well, I wanted, when I was in high school, I wanted to be a teacher, and I wanted to teach special needs, and I wanted to teach creative writing, and, but nowadays, the thought of the amount of patience I would need, it's like, yeah, no, thanks, but I don't think I'd handle it well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it takes takes a lot of coffee to keep patience going. Yes. I think it, I think it would take quite a lot of coffee. <laughs> But you'll get there. You know, I, I've always learned you, you have a dream and then dreams change. Then you take a path and you go through a different path. So it's like when I turned 40, I, I, I hit a crossroads. Like I didn't know what I wanted to do. And then when I turned like 45, 46, 46, I, I had another crossroads. Didn't know which way I wanted to go. But luckily, I have an awesome wife and an awesome kid to put me on a path where I should go. I think that that's part of life is learning when and where to pivot. That's a good way of putting that. So, so you have any other projects in the works besides of what you're doing now, or you, you got stuff on hold? Or? Always. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just finished a story for Fave, for Fairy Playgrounds. I'm a, I always list it as Serena. I joke that Serena decided she was going to be in every single one of the uh, story-based anthologies by Facor. And the only reason why she wasn't is because we messed her up by making Nightmare Whispers into three. <laughs> <laughs> but I've got like four or five stories that I'm working on for her. And I've got, with that, so far she only has a novella out called The Death of Neverland. It's a horror retelling of Peter Pan. Oh. It's actually pretty good, I think. That sounds interesting. Had nothing but, huh? It sounds interesting. Well, the idea behind it is, what if Captain Hook wasn't the villain? What if Peter Pan was? And that being said, when somebody's trying to get themselves to be believed to be a good guy, they're going to put propaganda out there. Well, what if everything we've ever heard about Peter Pan was nothing but propaganda? And it, it's a really dark tale, but I think it turned out really well. And then, of course, the novel, which is Rust Gore and the Junkyard Zombie. Everybody that has read it has said, you need to put out another one like this. <laughs> so 
I've got a second one in the works, and I keep going back to it, but I haven't quite gotten it finished. Where you want it. Yeah, because unfortunately, I hate the villain in it. So I keep getting to a point where I write him, and then I go, I don't want to write him no more. So I move to another project. (laughs) (laughs) And then I've got... One from her that's in the process that's called Madness and Truth. The idea behind it is the original story was called Castle Truth, okay? And then I decided, no, this is a great novella, but it's not done. Castle Truth was this woman inherited a whole island. Wow. Basically in Scotland. It it had a castle on it, and the castle was cursed. Oh, no. And it talks about how her madness is continuing to build and it talks about the history of the castle and how it's always been cursed and everybody who's ever owned the island ends up dying horribly and the ghosts that are in the castle and how she's starting to see them and the original story was good but i felt like there was things that i missed so i took it down to work on it and i haven't quite gotten it finished yet And then I've also got one by her called The Kingdoms of Sin. Kingdoms of Sin. The Kingdoms of Sin is a D&D setting, Dungeons and Dragons, that I've run multiple players through. Mm -hmm. This is basically the, the basic story of it. There's seven islands on this world. That's all that's there. They're huge islands, like Australia huge, okay? Okay. Each island is a different sin. Of the seven deadlies. And all of the thrones are cursed. Dracus, the apocalypse, rode through when the land mass was all one mm-hmm. and conquered all the kingdoms. When Dracus rides again, the world will end. But when he conquered all the kingdoms, he put on each of the thrones for these various kingdoms one of his subordinates and he cursed the throne so that anyone who sat the throne would exhibit the sin of that kingdom. In other words, the king who sits on the throne of greed will be extraordinarily greedy, and so on and so on. Well, a good leader can sit the throne and not let the sin envelop them. A bad leader, however, will end up with the kingdom showing the result. And in the time between Dracus's ride and now, the first group of leaders that he put there, his subordinates, turned on him. Oh, no. And they locked him in a magical tomb. So that magical tomb is in the kingdom of Pride. And Pride is one of the few original members of the royalty. One of the few that Dracus installed. Pride is a vampire. Think uh, Lady Bathory kind of vampire. You know, she bathes in the blood of the beautiful. Oh, that's an interesting plot twist. Being beautiful in Pride is not a good thing. (laughs) (laughs) And Envy and Pride were the only two out of the original seven that did not want to lock Dracus away. And Dracus told them, no, agree with him. Go along with it. Because that way, when my time comes, I'll be stronger because I will have your faith in me to boost me. And Envy was pregnant with Dracus's child when everybody locked him away. Oh, no. So the current... Queen of Envy is a direct descendant from the original Envy. The current King of Greed is her twin brother. Oh, no. 
because their father decided that he was too affected by the throne and would make a poor ruler. So he gave, even though she was the second born, he gave the throne to his daughter. Wow. And of course, they can't war against each other because if any of the kingdoms were to attack another, the whole thing would crumble because suddenly the infrastructure that's keeping the peace mm-hmm. would disappear. Wow. This, say, Wrath decided, I'm going to attack Pride. Well, what's to stop Greed from coming in and attacking Wrath when Wrath goes off to attack Pride? Yeah, that that, that makes sense. When's <laughs> so this book it, coming out? Because I, I, I want to read it now. <laughs> as soon as I get finished writing it, it's I, almost there. I'm not a big reader, but things like that make, make it interesting. Like, I, I don't know if you've been following our our mine and my daughter's uh mystery series of Stuart lennox of how it's i started writing about a dream with my grandmother and destiny takes it makes it a mystery and i'm really loving that story the way she writes it it makes it more interesting and like like more cop oriented and computer oriented with my with my background i'm like when's the next one coming out kid (laughs) (laughs) but that's part of the fun too exactly the creative Um. process I gotta work on part 11 for my submission this week. Then, of course, that's all what Serena's working on. I'm working on, I've got to do the edits. I did a kid's story before the pandemic hit called Dylan and the Pet Zombie. My daughter's a big zombie fan. She loves anything zombie. So so did you let her read it and get get her ideas from it? Yes. That's awesome. Well, all of my kids' books up until that one started off as bedtime stories for my daughter. That's cool. That one was just, hey, she's into zombies. Let's do a kid's book about zombies. And I wrote a second one for it, but the pandemic had the illustrator tied up. So I need to edit that book so that when the illustrator's available, it can be just put out. Um, that one's going to be Dylan and the Hotel Zombie. So oh, that sounds interesting. Oh, the first one was pretty cool, so I think the second one will be too. Is it like really scary, scary, or is it more children Scooby Doo type deal? It's more children Scooby Doo type deal. I mean, huh. there's one zom in the first one. There was one zombie attack where you know the kid almost got bit, but he narrowly escaped. Oh, but nice. that's that's about the scariest part of it. Oh, that's kind of normal, you know? Yeah. I would think. And then the other kid's book I'm working on is called Afraid of Shoe Mountain, which sounds weird, I know. But the whole deal is there's this village of cobbler gnomes, okay? And these cobbler gnomes, you know, everything's about fixing shoes. Then one day they wake up and there is a huge mountain of mismatched, broken shoes right outside the village. Oh, no. And it scares everybody. But then there's these two little gnomes. You know, they're six to eight range. And they go out to play, and one of them talks the other one into running up Chew Mountain. (laughs) And they end up finding an old uh, fairy up in the mountain that likes to eat children. And one one of them gets caught by the fairy. And the other one goes running for their parents. Parents argue, 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 not paying much attention to the kid because how are we going to deal with this? So the kid screws up his courage and goes in and rescues his friend. Wow, that was crazy. So it, it's nearly done. 
I, I, I was thinking with the shoes, there'd be a lot of work for a shoemaker to repair. That's a continuing business for uh, years to come if it, but, if, if it was a poor village. But the way you described it sounds much cooler. Well, think about it. These shoemakers, they're used to, you know, getting random shoes. But we're talking a mountain big enough to hide people suddenly appearing. And these kids were born after the mountain, so they don't know to be afraid of it. Right. But... The cobblers were all afraid of it because this mountain just appeared. What? What the? What? <laughs> you know? It's it sounds kind of like a, a mystical feeling, kind of kind of like when I when we rolled to journey with Dad with the when we went through like a purple foggy stream and we went into another dimension and we wound up in Crazy Town. Yeah. It, it, it was it was like a scary one horse town that I just imagined just just by a feel of how the open field in. I was thinking of wolves and old wrinkly. 1880s houses with just candles in the window and trying to figure our way out. It was crazy. Sounds like fun. And it was like nobody didn't believe us that, that we went through like a portal or a phantom, whatever you want to call it. And at the end of the story, our family looked at us uh, like we're crazy. <laughs> kind of the whole Wizard of Oz thing. Kind of, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. But that's part of the fun too. Yeah. It's, it's like you, you let your imagination run wild and wow, this is what comes out this is a wild book <laughs> I, I think we have other series planned but with Dusty doing going off and doing her own young adult uh, young adult book I'm patiently waiting to like rewrite our first two to see how, how we can make it better but the thing is we like the artistry in the books and I don't, I don't know if we can keep those and just give the artist credit or do we have to redraw everything from scratch that depends on how you paid for the images if it was in the contract that the images were yours, you can reuse them as long as the artist gets credit. However, if it was a one-use only, then you would have to repay them. Right, but I really don't want them to do it illiberous because the way the way they they, they mistreated us, I, I want to say in a nice, polite way. Yes, I know about that. <laughs> if well, if the artwork came from Liberus, then you probably should get a new artist because at that point the artwork probably belongs to them. And I think it I think it does. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I think it does. You should be able to look in your contracts and find out. Yeah, because we had to do a storyboard and drawings and they went off of that and made it much beautiful than the way we drew it. <laughs> but but Dusty did an awesome job trying to describe where she wanted things in the in the story. Well, um I can probably recommend a few, I'll have to think of where I can find them, but I probably recommend a few places that you can look for uh, illustrators. You do need to watch because some illustrators will rob you blind. Others will charge you a by the drawing fee, which is a lot cheaper in the long run. Right. I mean, I can't say that somebody wanting to be paid for their art's a bad thing, but again... You kind of have to watch because I had somebody quote me thousands of dollars to illustrate a kid's book one time. I'm sitting there going, no, no. <laughs> so. And I, I believe we only have like 10 illustrated pages in our book. I, I have to go back and look, but I think I think it's 10. Yeah. Or we'll just do an ebook and just let them read all the text and let the imagination go wild. Well, you can still do imagery in the ebook too. It just depends on how you want to do it. Right. But that's interesting, though. Your books have me intrigued now. I just I try. 
I just can't wait till they're finished and like <laughs> Desi comes to me and says, Dad, Patty's books are done. Okay, did you get an advanced copy? Let me check it out. <laughs> <laughs> I can definitely make sure that when they get done I send you guys a copy. Oh nice. That'd be cool. Now now is is there any special place they can find your, your work at? Uh, do, you, do you have your own personal website that you want to share? Um, I actually did a reading list for both me and Serena on Books to Read. Um, the Books to Read is a site. You get them through draft to digital but they have their own. You can set up reading lists. You can set up a single book. It's called a universal book link. And you can make it whatever you want. So I always make mine into the name of the book so that it's easier to find them. Um, oh, nice. But the way to get to the reading lists is, for me, it's books2, and it's a number two, read.com slash rl slash Patricia Harris. And then it's the same thing for Serena, only instead of Patricia Harris, it's Serena Mosgraves. So... Yeah, because we'll make sure to post that on our on our websites so so people can find your work and hopefully order some. Well, like I said, Serena's only really got the anthologies and the novella and the one novel. But I've got quite a few volumes of poetry and like four kids' books and a memoir. <laughs> <laughs> now, 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 can you find those also at like Barnes & Noble yeah. on their website? The nice thing about the Universal Reading Lists is their links have all of the major distributors you know like if you're an amazon person it's got amazon on there it's got barnes and noble it's got overdrive all of the places the book is available is on that site so and that's it, like so it sounds like the one-stop shop you go to that site it is. you can get like where, where, where you can find your books at well and that's why i like it if you can take like i said you don't have to go through draft to digital to get this books to read.com you can set up a list, you know, a link for anything and just put in your own links. I usually add when I can. I've done it for a couple of them. I haven't done it for all of them yet. I usually add Google Play, Smashwords. I don't like their premium catalog, but I do like at least having the basic Smashwords book line. And, you know, like Amazon, because you can do Amazon through Draft2Digital, but they're pickier as to what they'll accept. Right. Then if you go to Amazon's site, <laughs> because they want you to go to their site. Exactly. So it takes longer to get the Amazon link live going through books, you know, going through the draft of digital than it does just to go on Amazon's site and put everything in. That's crazy. Well, and like with the anthologies, we always say as long as we know about it ahead and can list it as being previously published and you still have the publishing right, We'll accept previously published work. That way, you know, you can get your stuff out there and not be worried about it. Because not everybody does. Right. Well, Amazon will absolutely refuse an anthology if it's got previously published work. Unless you do to do it on their site. If you do it on draft digital it's an automatic refusal. So, which is people. crazy. <laughs> yeah. It's already been in the works. You're just trying to give it more of a platform mm -hmm. to get out. They just exactly. worry about copyright infringement. Yep. They're worried because they cannot be sure that you have permission from the author that way. Whereas on their site, they make you check a little box. I've got permission to use this. <laughs> well, they wouldn't give you the work if they, they, they didn't allow you to publish it, right? Right. 
and we always do a contract that covers our butts with it too. So oh, you have to with that with that kind of stuff yeah. going on. Wow, you you got you got an awesome awesome life over here. Being a publisher and and creating on the fly that's that's awesome. I try. <laughs> it's it sounds like you're living your own dream the way the way you kind of created from childhood until now and now it seems to be flourishing and this pandemic gave you an opportunity to do something still stay at home be safe and create awesome content absolutely i'm excited to read some of this stuff (laughs) i don't usually read horror but i wouldn't mind reading that peter pan story (laughs) send me your email and i'll send you a reader's copy of it because i'd love to know what you think of it oh yeah me too I can I can add it to my book review list if you would like to review too. That'd be awesome. <laughs> wow, that Peter Pan. That, th- there's a couple of your books that really intrigue me, and and again, I, I'm not a big reader, but this, they, they sound like okay. I gotta read this to see see how this is gonna end. It's kind kind of like when you wa- watch like the Oriental Express and you got the murder, and you don't mm-hmm. know who actually did it. And th- I I don't know if you ever ca- caught this, but there's a game show on ABC called The Hustler. Oh. Um, it's it's kind of like that, but the way it's set up, you're asking questions and it's um, like it's like playing Clue. Yeah, it's, it's more like yeah. Clue, but it's like pretty cool how how they have it all set up and everything, and you really don't know who who the hustler is until the end. And then what makes it intriguing, you think it's one person, and all of a sudden it's another person that you never even thought it would be. That's 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 something you gotta check out. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to look into it. Yeah, it's on ABC. What was it on Sunday night, kid? Uh, I think it's Thursday. Thursdays? Yeah. Uh, just check your local guide. Yeah. <laughs> if if you get messages, DVR. You know we we love DVR Craig, a lot. Of stuff. Craig Craig Ferguson's the host. Gotcha. I think yeah. I've heard that name. Yeah, he makes it interesting. He he used to have a late show talk show one time too. That might be where I heard the. <laughs> I'm a bit of a night owl, so I'm up at all weird hours and. Oh so, no, I'm a night owl too. So are we. <laughs> we it's 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 like we're usually napping or starting to fall asleep around this time. <laughs> and then like it's like uh almost three o'clock. Uh Eastern oh. Standard Time. I don't know if you're in the same time zone we are. We are. But at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> so anything else we need to know? Uh any other sites you want to talk about? Well, fake horse now got their own website. Um, we just released it. It's fakecorepublishing.com and it's got all the books listed that we've done and all the books for our authors and everything. I mean, it's really well done. Um, our marketing girl did that for us and she did an amazing job. She always does. <laughs> <laughs> that's, why you, that's why you hired her for, for the work she does, right? Absolutely. She um she managed to get us organized because me and my partner are both very chaotic in our natures and I'm I'm not very good at planning. Well, this needs to be released with this 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 and this, and she does. She she says, "Hey, share this today." Okay, <laughs> she makes it easy. <laughs> yeah, that's that's it's, see see. I think if you don't have an amazing team, you're not going to be as successful without it. So that's just my theory because. When I used to work in the call centers, I was on some teams that weren't so good, and I was on teams that we gelled so well that we won awards and went out to dinner on the company. But that was all back in 2009, though. 
No, I agree. Having a good team and support system is very helpful um, when working on, especially writing, because sometimes we second guess ourselves as writers. Um, oh, yeah. Sometimes we are nervous about sharing work. I know I am. Um, I am too. But it's I this time around. I I have a team. I got Caitlin being my editor, and I got. Uh, I'm part of the Reading Owls, and they go let me uh, share my book on there for review. I, I think it's going to be weird to have my book review, because I've been writing book reviews for the last year. <laughs> um, I think but it's what... always weird when you're on the other side of it. But that's um, all natural, though. Mm-hmm. It's it's like, I, you just got done putting together this great work, and it's like, then the anxiety, anxiety kicks in, it's like, are, are they going to like it? kind of feedback i'm going to getting and only doing this podcast for like five or six months i'm like are the people gonna like it <laughs> am i gonna get listeners am i gonna like i'm, I'm not gonna quit i'm just gonna keep going until something sticks <laughs> because because we have so much variety of our podcast it's like it's hard not to like something of it you had asked about my poems in the anthology Justin. i found the list i had of them if you'd like, I can read the first one I sent. Oh, we'd we'll love to. Years end as it begins, me spending too much time inside of my own head. As I sit and ponder this strange temporal wonder and start to plan for the days ahead. I always come to realize chaos controls life and luck is never on my side. Not a melancholic moment, just truthful, excuse me, just truthful epiphany that my life has always been a reflection of me. Wow. Oh, I like that. That's pretty. That's awesome. It, ha, has that been published? Yes, that was in the Coffee House Writers Anthology. Uh, wow. In volume one. Well, guys, you got to listen to an awesome poem from Patty Harris. An original, correct? Yes. All of my poems are original. I I did a couple of poems a couple of years ago where I called them lyrical recycling. I would take like one or two lines from a song and, you know, over the course of like 12 songs, make up a poem. But other than that, I don't use other people's work. I don't use other people's words. And the lyrical recycling was more or less an experiment just to see if I could do it. And, And you did it, right? I did it. It turned out wonderful. And now you got other poems coming out. Yes. Sometimes, because sometimes, you know, you can find inspiration in a song, too, to write something. Uh, That one, it was fun to write, and it was something that I didn't expect to turn out as good as it did, because it was, um, it was like I was expecting people to look at it and go, well, why did you do that? (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, you got, you got a different reaction, right? Oh, yeah. Um. I think there's like 12 different songs in it, and it's hard to tell what songs they are because I only took one, maybe two lines at most out of any one song. So it it made it to where it became my own work, even though I was taking lines out of everybody else's. So that's, the, that's still not considered plagiarism, right? No. There's not enough of the song in my poems, you know, in my poem there to equal the story in the song i'll 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 read this so you understand what i'm talking about yeah sure my heart was taken long ago if i can change i hope i never know i was shattered by the ones i thought i loved so what 
if I want to be numb all the time. Escape is only a bottle away. I'm so sorry, but I never cared at all. I cannot save you. I cannot even save myself. So save yourself. Eternity passes in an illusion of normalcy. I want to know I belong to you. The quiet scares me because it screams the truth. I know that you've been damaged. Your soul has suffered such abuse. For how long will you try? How long until you walk away? It seems so long ago, beyond the life, beyond the life that I now know. Before the years would have their way and break my heart, I don't want to be saved. I don't want to be sober. I want you on my mind. In my dreams, behind these eyes, my heart is just too dark to care. I cannot destroy what isn't there. Well, that's like a I powerful said, message. And yeah. and to be honest with you, it sounds it sounds like you actually written it, written it from your heart, not not taking it from song lyrics. So that that's an awesome talent you have right there. Well, it's um that particular poem is there's a form that goes with it. I can't remember the name of the form, but it's the same type of thing that's used as blackout poetry, where someone takes a page out of a book and marks everything except for the words they want. Right. That's the same thing. Only I used like twelve songs. <laughs> but you could, the way you're reading it, you couldn't tell you took it from songs because you explained you took it from songs. But when you read it, it it, it felt like a another Patty Harris original. Right. That's why I say it's not plagiarism because plagiarism requires you to take more of a passage and word and, for word. Right. And what I did was. When I published it, I did note that this was taken from songs, and I did credit the songs in question. Um, That's a good cover of you know, you know what. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, it's one of those things that it's better to be safe than sorry. <laughs> exactly. But it kind of reminds me of well, I'm a big fan of quotes. Um, I love inspiration quotes. I even made um, a collage of the quotes I love and have them frame into posters. But it reminds me of like word mapping. Um, when you hear a certain uh, quote or um, a word that you like, but you use it and make it your own. Yes, um, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> so that's what it reminds me of. Like I love, I love the never give up saying. I find them encouraging. So I always say. Never get up on your dreams, no matter what um, obstacles um, you may face. Um, I even have a Toni Morrison quote on my whiteboard that I keep all the time. If there's a book that you want to read, but it hasn't been written yet, then you must write it. Yeah. Um, and that's how exactly I feel about my story that I'm working on. Um, I never read a story that talked about a a teenager's uh, disability until I read Michelle McQueen's um, The F Word. But um, I feel I feel like sometimes the community not forgets but leave out people with disabilities. And I noticed that I noticed the last two years it's uh, society has been changing um, with like commercials and movies. Um, I watched this wonderful Christmas movie, um, Christmas Ever After, and it was the first time I saw a female actress in a wheelchair in a movie. And um, it, it was actually amazing. And I love that she was a writer. Um, <laughs> she's a writer in the movie. Um, yeah, it, it's nice to see someone that makes relatable. Like, yeah, and I feel that's important for the young adult genre. Um, it is so. Um, that's what I'm trying to do with my characters, but um, 
that's what I love about literature. Literature can be inspiring, even though it's not always nonfiction, but it teaches you something from a different viewpoint. Give you this perspective, but the most important thing is for someone to the reader to be something that interests them or relates to, makes them more drawn to your story. Definitely. A few other health issues. I can't do a nine to five job. That's just not a possibility. But just because I'm disabled doesn't mean that that's everything I am. Doesn't mean that I need to hide in a corner. You have a wheelchair to help you get around. That, to me, is a tool. Tools are there to help us, not to bring us down. You're like, you're absolutely right, and it took me a long time to feel that and to see that. Um, Dad would tell you I had a very challenging time. Um, I bet. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was. It, she was slipping in depression. I got, I got her out of her depression, and I was doing it all on a bad knee, pushing her actually doing a manual wheelchair and i was doing all on a bad knee and i was in pain i just kept going to make sure she needed to go where she'd go go assist her what she needs to be assisted with and then when we got the power chair it made my life more easy where i can go have knee surgery because i know she can get around and right after knee surgery i'm still helping her she's like dad go rest no i have to help you then my wife's telling me go relax no i have to help desie <laughs> i know that feeling <laughs> But your disability, it doesn't define who you are because no. right, right now I'm talking to a very intelligent, successful woman who has her own publishing company, published several poems. You just keep going. You just keep doing you, Patty, and, and, and you're going to be very successful. I hope so. <laughs> you know, because I, I can my diabetes, my depression. I, I can't work in a call center. I've lost my voice. Customers stress me out. So I understand where you're coming from. And that's why I'm loving this podcast because I've always wanted to be on the radio. This is my way of being on the radio and trying to produce the best show possible with my daughter. I'll tell you, being on the radio is kind of cool. Um, my grandfather on my father's side owned a little AM country station. Okay. Oh, nice. When I was little, I spent a lot of time at that station <laughs> because my Mom and dad would drop me off and my grandfather would put me in the newsroom and all of the guys in the radio station were my babysitters. <laughs> <laughs> I at one point wanted to be a DJ, but over time that just wasn't for me. You learn to pivot. You learn to change your dreams to be what you're capable of at the moment. It makes no you happy. What. Yeah, you got to be happy in life. Exactly. But you, you, you're doing awesome. Thank you. I'm, I was I was I was excited that we had the chance to sit down and have a chat with you today. Um, it was awesome to get to hear two original poems from you and all all that crazy work you do in the books with the zombie stuff. That's that's pretty interesting. Anything else you want to share with our listeners or or, or and your fans that may listen to this? I don't know. <laughs> that's an awesome answer. <laughs> Look out, world. Watch out for Patty Harris, because here she comes with her fabulous writing. <laughs> no, I, I, um, that's why I asked you if you wanted to come on. Um, I, I, um, on your website, I read some of your blog posts, and, um, you know, I've been reading some of your work for Coffeehouse Writers, and I, and I'm a big fan of fantasy like you are, and I thought you'd be 
perfect to share your experiences with us. I'm glad you did. I was very honored by <laughs> just even the request. I mean, I know that sounds kind of silly, but I was. I'm, you can ask everybody around me. I was like, hey, I got a podcast interview. Um, I got a podcast interview. Um, God, don't let me screw this up. <laughs> <laughs> so how how was your experience on our show? It was really good. It felt like an actual conversation and not um, not as anxiety-inducing as I had expected it to be. And it's like the questions, you know, we, we sent questions, but did, I, I don't even think we asked the right questions off the sheet of paper. <laughs> Actually, you did, but perhaps not in the order that it was sent, which is fine. <laughs> Yeah, my, my partner forgot to send me the script. <laughs> oh, throw her up under the bus, huh? <laughs> no, no, I'm not throwing the bus. I was just trying to be funny. <laughs> so, Patty, uh, come on the show anytime. You're welcome. If you want to share something, any writing tips, or me, uh, uh, need to get some more book dates out to, to your fans and our listeners, you know. More than welcome to come back on anytime. Oh, I thank you. I might take you up on that when we've got a good uh, release about to happen. <laughs> well, all you gotta do is just uh, email Destiny and uh, we can set it up. Okay. Yep. Thanks again. Oh, you're very oh, you're welcome. welcome. Um, that's what my new um segment's all about. Destiny book clubs with all the author interviews, projects I'm working on, what my friends are working on, um, book reviews and. Just um, and I love sharing writing tips. Sylvia actually gave me the advice. She says, "You've got a lot of knowledge. You need to share it." Yeah, that's always a good thing. That's <laughs> a lot of the things I actually watch podcasts for when I do watch them is to try and improve what I'm doing. Oh, you're, you're doing fine. Just keep going. <laughs> Just keep moving forward. That doesn't mean there's not room for improvement. There's always room for improvement. Yes, there yes, is. I agree with that. Is. I agree with that. But just keep moving forward. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> All right. Anything else uh, you want to share? Nope. <laughs> no. Nope. <laughs> Thank then. you so much, Patty, for joining us. Thanks for inviting me. Oh, well, you're, you're welcome. very welcome. Well, guys, this is this is uh, chatting with the Constantins on Anchor.fm. Uh, our special guest was Patty Harris, and just remember, it's always a great time to have a great chat. Thank you for listening for another episode of Chatting with the Constantine, hosted by John and Destiny Constantine on Anchor.fm.